welcome to Creative Block. We're your host, V. And Sean. We interview people in creative industries about their life, work, and hobbies while we doodle jam. We ask people on Twitter and Instagram. We are on Instagram and YouTube. We do the announcement on YouTube as well now. We're so high tech. If they had specific topics they wanted us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts. Today, we have with us April Pinky Davis. Hi! Hey! Welcome on in. Welcome to Creative Block. We're so excited to have you. Um, it's, it's really cool to have someone that draws really cartoony. I feel like us cartoony people we are a select few <laughs> yeah it's i think like right now in the industry my style of drawing which is uh leaning towards comedy stuff i do all comedy boards is kind of i wouldn't say disappearing just kind of going out of the current fad mm -hmm. it's i don't know it's funny though because i've heard i've heard little whispers that are like we miss we miss the cartoony in cartoons so might come back might might come back yeah it never anything we do in animation is something that the viewers want it's what it's pre-decided by a higher power of what's cool and what we should be selling to people because i personally think almost nothing goes out of style we are at such a huge diversity of things that we could be doing and i feel like fans like every sort of art style ever and every kind of medium whether it's like comedy or action or what be it but uh i don't feel like studios necessarily believe that <laughs> yeah I, I feel like we're always in staggered stages of nostalgia like we have like different styles from different eras coming back in different waves at all times so i uh i definitely feel you on that yeah um i like to start the show with um a, like the question that's your origin story basically <laughs> and how did you figure out that you could work in animation kind of like what was the moment you were like oh this is a path and i can follow it <laughs> uh the first time i knew what storyboards were was i saw some released at comic-con that they were talking about um some episode of a tv show coming out and they showed just the boards from mm -hmm. it which i understood the animation process by the way when this happened i wasn't like 12 or 13 i think i was like 20 mm -hmm. and i started my career at 22 so i really didn't know what storyboards were until i was immediately doing them pretty much and I thought that was the coolest thing because I, I didn't even understand the purpose of storyboards. I didn't understand that you were setting blueprints for animators. I didn't understand mm -hmm. shot progression or shot framing or any of the important stuff. I just saw really cool drawings that looked cooler to me than the final product because they were mm -hmm. so loose and so fun to look at. And I thought that looks just so damn fun to do. And it it's not. It's fun sometimes. It's so much work. But when I saw that, I was like, that is the coolest thing ever. I want to do that. And then I spent the next couple years of my life being in complete agony that art school was so expensive and I wouldn't be able to <laughs> immediately do what i thought was the coolest job ever 
But the, as soon as I saw those Comic-Con boards, I was like, that's the dream. I want to do that. I want, and I, I also had no understanding of how storyboards work. Um, I thought everything you did <laughs> would be on a big screen at Comic-Con with a ton of fans mm. standing around. Like you did the entire storyboards for this episode. And then they got to show it in front of an audience of people who would and odd and clapped. In reality, you know, you show it in front of like a couple of people when you're pitching something and one of them says, I don't get it. And the other one says, redo it. But mm. <laughs> in my fantasy world, it was, you got to show these cool things to all these fans and they screamed when they saw their favorite character and they're crying and they're cheering and they're like, those are the coolest drawings ever. And they're posting it on Twitter and they're like, the new episode leak came out. They premiered it at Comic-Con. It's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so you had the dream of the, like a rock star animator, like, yeah. Yes. You know, you come out and they're like chanting, they're like yes. pinky, pinky, and you're like, wait till you see these key poses, folks. <laughs> you know, that's so yeah, funny. Bad yeah. understanding. I was a theater kid in high school, but I also, uh, I was also an artist, and I thought that was that was the dream is that I could show on stage, which I guess in a way, I millions of people have seen my work, my gags. Um, but it's not as uh, gratifying as that they know it's me and I'm getting the credit for uh, this concept was done by Pinky. Like it doesn't just like flash on screen and I come out and take a bow or something, you know, it's but <laughs> so in a way I was kind of right. But it's definitely not uh, as um, it's not the dream of you're on this huge stage at Comic-Con and people are cheering. It's for very select moments in very specific tv shows i think like maybe like one in a billion would get that kind of chance I've, to be applauded like that for storyboards i think not so yeah entire show. i think that's really right what you're saying is that there is there has been a little bit of a moment when like um for storyboards we were kind of there was a moment when a couple of shows had kind of like starboard artists you know like it was like yeah Ooh, these are like the hot shots but um it's it's very few and far between there's only like a couple of shows and a couple of people who got that status i think um yeah yeah i i remember it during the most during like steven universe and adventure time yes, yes. was like like people were looking up yeah. the names of the storyboard artists and they were all getting really big on instagram or, or tumblr yeah. or whatever it was yeah 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 100 percent. yeah i remember that it's funny because it's funny because you know like um cartoons is kind of like a way to just to get a little like a little flavor of popularity but you're still pretty like in the shadows right you're like ooh, appreciate um the work i put out without looking at me at all kind of thing <laughs> well luckily i mean in in fandom sphere it's not like that mm. like with spongebob there are people who recognize how characters are drawn just by the artist like they see the artist's style and they go that one was pinky and mm -hmm. i've had people like call me out on twitter like a screenshot or something like classic pinky pose or something <laughs> like, i don't even know what that's, that's cool that's, that's, really that's cool. dope you can a little taste of that you can a little mm -hmm. Yeah, I drew it. And I, I know that way with my coworkers, like I can recognize my coworkers art styles immediately. Um, I know what they're like, what they're the gags that they pitch and I know exactly what it looks like. But it's weird to see it from a completely separated perspective, a fan recognizing just from social media and gathering mm -hmm. what our style language is. But I only see that in fandom space because 
it, smaller projects or ones that don't have as dedicated of a fandom of something like SpongeBob that's such a huge IP that people have been following since the 90s. Uh, nobody really cares. They'll love the storyboards. People love to see them regardless, but they're not fans of certain artists. Like you said, like mm-hmm. Steven Universe definitely yielded that. And sometimes in uh, my perspective, almost a harmful way of people kind of, I don't think that when you're doing something so loose and also so misunderstood that it should be witnessed and critiqued by such a large fandom because (laughs) the concept of wording is that you are creating something that's not final and when you take it as final it's there's there's a huge disconnect unfortunately with fandom space and what we do and I tried my best uh on Spongebob to not be an educator but share the reality of certain things because I think that people see storyboard to final like I got a comment on one of my social media posts I posted a something I boarded entirely from scratch and one of the comments says the storyboards are better than the final well the final can exist without the storyboard so I don't know what you mean by that it's the same thing (laughs) it's funny because I've seen comments like that every now and Mm -hmm. then and it's kind of like it's it's I don't know I think it's a it's a very funny kind of comment you see um yeah it's it's very it's very funny but you know talking about talking about educating and kind of like sharing what the the reality is uh, behind the scene we were just um talking about you in um in comic-con seeing the storyboards been really excited by that but then you told us like ah our school's too expensive so what did you do what was your (laughs) what was your next step (laughs) i ended up where i am not entirely on purpose but purposefully at the same time i really wanted to be a storyboard artist in tv animation actually my dream show was spongebob and that was the first one i ever worked on but when I got into the industry what I was doing for a living was first I was working like three jobs I started to go to community college for graphic design because at the time I had been living in Virginia and there aren't art programs unless you go out of state college Mm -hmm. I had my dad's um, post 9-11 military GI bill and Mm -hmm. that could pay for some of it but my dad like bless his heart he was correct he spent a lot of his GI Bill getting the master's degree and <laughs> for himself. And you might guess that, well, maybe wait until your child is of age to go to college to see if you want to use your GI Bill on them. I was terrible all through high school. Absolutely not his fault for spending all the money on himself. I would have done the same thing if I, if <laughs> I was my own child. So I didn't have the funds to... Like I just had enough to go to community college and I thought, well, I'll just go to community college for a while. It's a graphic design program, which I talked to the counselor, does not translate to animation school. I could not take that and go to like SVA or Mm -hmm. SCAD or something. I would have to, it would knock away some of the like English and math credits, but I would have to be spending like an additional three years in college. So I would have been in college for like five or six years. At that point, I should be allowed to do surgery. But (laughs) I, so I had been going to community college classes. And at the time, um, I did have a large following on social media, which I was very lucky to be able to actually quit my minimum wage jobs, 
and make money full-time doing art commissions, which I mostly did on Twitch. I would stream like six mm. hours a day or like a regular shift at work. And just anyone who pops in, send me money. I'll draw what you want and immediately email it to you. It was immediate turnaround. I did the convention circuit. I drove all around the Eastern United States, uh, boothing at conventions, uh, selling my work there. I did it traditionally and digitally where I set up a screen HDMI to my Cintiq so people could see me drawing as they walked by at the convention. And that was, I highly yeah. recommend that setup to anyone. If you have a crappy, like 13 inch TV, plug in an HDMI cable to your Cintiq. Uh, Cause I hate the one thing I hate is people at conventions wanting to loom over my shoulder while I'm working. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Having a crowd stand around your booth and watch you is cool, but having people like lean over you is the worst thing ever. It's like if someone's like <laughs> standing over you while you're eating a meal. It's not yeah. like you it happens it. at cafes when I draw at cafes. Yeah. Like people like lean over your shoulder and they're like, What are you drawing? And I'm like, things that aren't gonna uh the things that are gonna upset you while you're at your meal with your kid. <laughs> Don't look but at I'm this. And some people just it. like will offer unsolicited comments to you. I don't know if you ever get that but like oh yeah i did i did conventions there's a lot of very weird things that happen at conventions there's a lot of um social disconnect from the real world the people who are going outside for the very first time and like god bless them some of the sweetest people coolest people you'll ever meet but the some of the worst interactions you will ever have with other human beings and it's embarrassing on both ends i there's uh -oh. no <laughs> way to get through a convention without some pain but very fun I do want to kind of like ask you a little bit, just because you said you were able to quit your minimum wage job uh, while you were doing um, stuff on Twitch. And I think that's really, really interesting because not only did you treat Twitch like a day job, because you said you were like on it from like nine to six or in, but you were able to make how, how I want to, I want to put a pin in that a little bit and talk about it more just to kind of like maybe that will give ideas yeah. to other people out there and it's a great way to keep like honing in your craft so can you tell us a little bit like it was it like how much better than the minimum wage was it and, and and how many drawings a day did that look like like what was that like well i, I well i wasn't on my feet all day so that was nice but uh i I did the math on it and it's something I had to do because um, not to convince myself, but to convince my mother that mm. I wasn't just dropping my mall jobs just to doodle all day, mm. which my parents have always been supportive of that. My mom's actually an artist herself and was an art teacher uh, most of my childhood. But I had done some long streams on days that I was off and I would... I'm, I was pretty flexible with my pricing, so it's really hard to estimate. I do some like $10 sketches here and there, but mm -hmm. if I got a $10 sketch an hour, I was still making more than $7.25, which was minimum wage in Virginia. And right, what right. I did, did the commuting to work because I did not live near work and it was like a 30 minute commute or so. And all the money I'd also spend on buying lunch in the mall, I'd always go to the food court. It wasn't mm -hmm. just my food at home. It's was so it wasn't that much more money but it was proportionally better and made no sense because that's the direction I wanted my career to go in I felt like when I was at work at the mall I would still do commissions but I would do them in the back stock room I would hide I'd do them between customers whenever I could so I was still getting work done but if I was able to sit down and that's all I did 
even if I just got a $10 sketch an hour, some days were better than others. But if mm -hmm. I got a couple of like $60, like full color commissions in, I was still doing better than my minimum wage jobs, which even my shifts there weren't guaranteed. It depended on the hours they had every week, but guaranteed every single day, as long as I logged on, turned on the screen, started drawing, I was making money. And it wasn't like the, the beautiful success story people want to hear. Like I was making six figures just yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, but I think it's really cool because it, 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 you know, like I, I think we have like a couple. There's like a lot of kids like out there right now. They're like struggling to kind of like find a job because animation's weird right now. Yeah. So this was like a really interesting thing to explore. You know, like being on like it was an interesting way also to advertise commissions because I hadn't heard of that model before like up until now i only saw like on on twitter instagram people posting the little like here's my commission setup but i think there's something that's really cool about um doing it on twitch the way you were you were doing it watching it yeah, getting it, it done live yeah. yeah yeah i i definitely don't do it that way anymore i'll do it every once in a while but it is exhausting um, yes like yeah <laughs> just like a real meals, job <laughs> yeah missing bathroom breaks but you have to be entertaining the whole time it's not just i'm sitting there yeah. drawing i was engaging people i was trying to keep conversation up because what keeps people in and wanting to buy things is having a new topic to keep talking about uh yeah. even if i was just what's easy is conversations like this what's hard is me to myself and there is a chat but you're like anyone see the new movie this weekend and then there's a long uh, pause before anyone does anything. You're like, oh, yeah, that was great. Uh, it's really weird and awkward. And you have to find a way to fill space, whether it's with music or just nonstop talking about yourself. But that's what I was doing for quite a while. It's it is tiring. It's also caveat. There's I think people think that you can just magically make that kind of following and money on social media and there is a huge amount of luck that goes into that um mm -hmm. a lot of my like networking and socialization with people and i think my personality plays into it that i like talking to people meeting new people and chatting online but it artists are a relatively introverted crowd most of the time i think in order to get good at art you kind of have sure. to like tuck away and i think the only reason oh, yeah. that i really got good at it is because I was a military kid and grew up a little bit rural and I had the free time. Also, I didn't like to pay attention in class, so I, I gave myself some of that free time. But I, I had the time to do that because there was nothing else to do. It's not right. like I had high speed internet and all these video games my entire life. That's what I did. But a lot of artists do it just because they are not outgoing, which no shame in that. But it's in order to get that kind of following, I feel like you have to somewhat enjoy that or force yourself to put yourself out there a lot and even if you do that every single day and you're consistent on social media and you're posting all the time even if you did exactly what i did by going to conventions advertising your work talking to people it still doesn't guarantee it that's the frustrating thing about anything in yeah. our industry you can do yeah. everything right there is an amount of luck that goes into it there's a large amount of hard work and talent and I do believe I got there because of it, but I cannot discredit the amount of luck that I've had. Just, I guess, even just serendipity, right place, right time kind of thing. Yeah, 
I think that's yeah. right in a way that like everyone's like, you know, there there's a factor of luck, but you also have to be prepared, right? You also have to, yeah. you know, it's just like the right opportunity, but you also have to be ready, right? So you, you did all the work, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that when the opportunity happened, like you, you were ready for it. Uh, I, I do, you, I like that you talk about following and like, and getting yourself noticed and all that, like, cause I feel like, um, correct me if I'm wrong and let me know if that's okay for me to ask, but like, um, you're a little bit younger than us, right? Like how old are you right now? I'm 27 in May. Okay. I don't know when this is coming out. Yeah. <laughs> happy birthday very soon uh yeah. you're probably gonna be uh yeah you're probably gonna be 27 when this comes out but yeah. i feel like i like to ask this question because i feel like you had social media when it was already hard you know what i mean like i feel like sean and i we like we we kind of were at the beginning of instagram and like the algorithm was so different and it was in a way a little easier i guess to kind of get yourself noticed like so what you what do you what do you think helped you get a following? I mean, I was embarrassing on the internet as a teenager. I've uh, I I have never not had an internet presence, and I that's a burden to me, but also a good thing. It means I have a terrible track record of that you could probably find stuff from when I was very young, but it also means that I gathered some people and I I don't know if it's just right place right time or there's just good people out there that even in the embarrassing teenager moments I have people who tell me all the time I followed you when you were 16 I followed you when you were doing your first commissions I remember you when you were in this fandom space and I've loved your work ever since and I like Bless those people who followed me through all walks of life because I definitely wouldn't have <laughs> faces. But I really don't have like a solid answer for like what went right with me. I think the one thing that I can speak for that went perfectly right for me to land my career was when I wanted it, when I decided I wanted to do storyboards, I geared my art style and my portfolio to that. I studied what storyboards were, what other people mm -hmm. were doing. I looked at other portfolios. I asked for critique from people. I talked to people in the industry. I watched videos on YouTube. Toon Boom actually has a, this is like an unpaid plug, but Toon Boom has amazing uh, like learning videos on both their website and their YouTube. And I learned from the guy who eventually discovered and hired me which was Whoa, really that's crazy weird. yeah and I learned from him in person too when I worked on the show but I had been watching his videos that he worked with Toon Boom uh it's Sherm Cohen he's a director on Spongebob yeah he worked with Toon Boom to do several instructional videos mm -hmm. his were very helpful to me I was working really hard at making something professional so it wasn't just that I had art that was good on the internet I did make it clear what I wanted. Mm -hmm. I did make it clear that this is my portfolio for storyboards and character design. And I was really diving hard into character design at the time because I did not have the time to be making full-fledged storyboards. I didn't, yeah. I could not sit down and even make like two minutes of footage. I couldn't do that for my portfolio because I can't do that 
and make money at the same time. That's the struggle everyone in the industry has. Nobody has time to make the project that you want to make and also make money unless you are sacrificing every second of your day and sacrificing yourself. So I didn't have any solid storyboards actually, but I had really good sequential art. I had stuff that uh, I wouldn't even say really good. If I looked back at my portfolio now, I'd probably throw up, but (laughs) I, I think I had potential is what I should say. And I really like, it's what I really wanted. It wasn't just that I was posting stuff and someone saw some commissions I was doing and was like, you should work in TV. But at the time I got an email from Sherm Cohen, who I had learned from with the Toon Boom program. And he said, would you like to freelance for SpongeBob SquarePants? I was freshly 22 (laughs) and I had never storyboarded before. Um, he asked for, uh, initially character designs for an episode and I wanted that job so damn bad because I was like, this is my one opportunity. I'll never get this ever again. Um, mm. I can't afford art school. I was considering going in debt for the rest of my life. I had many moments where I was like sobbing in my car, calling my friends saying, I'm never going to be able to do this because I was not given the silver spoon or the mm. money. And I, if I did get the money and I did take out a loan, I would be struggling forever, not guaranteed to have a job. I would be paying this off for the rest of my life and it Mm. could be a mistake. And when he emailed me initially, I thought, well, someone's bullshitting me because that's probably not actually Sherm Cohen. That's probably um, someone (laughs) using his name. And then I thought about it for a second. I'm like, I don't think anyone's big enough. Some troll account. Yeah. Uh, You know what's funny? Is like Sherm is like, he's, He's like a, he's like an OG, you know. He's like a real yeah. good. I had his um, he has like a little. There was like a PDF that came with like a SpongeBob DVD. I think it's like how to draw silhouettes correctly, so mm-hmm. you you can really. Yep. And and it's really fucking good. And I remember reading that a bunch of times. But but he's not outside of the industry. He's not a big name. People don't really no, know he's of not. him. Oh, it's it's really uh, interesting because he's. he's- OG, yeah, he's like, yeah. If I were, I had to think about it. I'm like, if someone were to be pulling my leg and impersonating someone, they're probably gonna email me like, "This is George Clooney, and mm-hmm. I want to give you ten thousand dollars for you." To <laughs> I need you to storyboard you know? on SpongeBob. I'm George Clooney. <laughs> so, uh, I I reached out to him and I said, "Yes, I do character designs." Um, he had a design for an episode that he wanted to see some takes on, and typically with character design stuff you do like four to six options of like sketches. This is what the character could potentially look like. And then you get feedback and then you change or solidify whatever you sent to them. Uh, I wanted the job so bad. This was my dream job. It just fell into my lap and I was living in Virginia, nowhere near LA. I didn't have the money to move back to California. I'm from there. And Mm. uh, this is like everything I wanted just ended up in front of me. And I'm like, there's no way I am not getting this. This is not going to anyone else. And I sent him back. How many character design sketches do you think I sent him? Oh, now I want to, I want to guess a really high number. Uh, Let's see. 36. (laughs) I sent him 120. (laughs) Are you insane? Oh my god. Oh my yeah, god. like literally. What? You must have been like, uh-oh, uh, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I stayed up all night. 
um, I did it in Storyboard Pro because I wanted to prove that I had the program. <laughs> and That's so funny. I did 120. I, it might be somewhere on my Cintiq. I might still have it. And I just sent over this massive file of here's as many possible options that this it was just a background character i'm sure she was on screen for three seconds entirely and i did 120 different drafts and then when he got that back he's like wow do you do storyboards and i think what prompted that is either you're insane enough to do storyboards or you have like whatever endurance it takes to not want to absolutely pass away while you draw that many drawings at once honestly for real like a hundred like a hundred and how many hundred hundred and 120 drawings in a night that's a storyboard it's like a third of a like fuck a beadboard of an 11 minute pretty much you know what though (laughs) that that kind of endurance both both for character design and for storyboarding that is the kind of thing that um learning how to do that kind of thing really helps young artists i think some some, like one of the biggest things that i feel like young artists have to get over is the idea that you're going to draw something more than once and that like oh like a lot of people try to draw something once and then they mess it up and then they're like screw it you know (laughs) and then they don't draw that thing and it's like no try to draw it again like try to draw a different pose of it draw like a standard pose where you're designing it's the character's outfit and the and the face and then draw a different one where you're posing it out like like draw it a bunch of times you know mm-hmm. and i i feel like it's important to put out there that is something that i would never do ever again not <laughs> unless i'm taking extreme <laughs> overtime hours you could not ask me to do that uh no if a studio came up to me and said i want 120 different characters i'm like all right i'm taking weeks to do this and it's gonna cost 91 an hour you know it's that was a whole different world i was just so desperate to what get if in. the new what if the new movie 120 dalmatians comes to you <laughs> and they say listen we have a lot of dogs specifically 120 of them oh God. we need to, <laughs> we need we need 120 dogs in every shot <laughs> oh my god it's like the loud house but on steroids well thank god i <laughs> I minimal do character design stuff now. I I enjoy it, but uh, character design isn't what I thought it was when I was trying to get into the industry. I thought it was you got to, like, what I'm talking about, make all these new characters. A lot of character design is clean, tight work and, like, cleaning up and showing different angles of things that you might not want to show. Let's see it upside down and backwards. Let's see it inside out. I did stuff for when we were in early development of Camp Coral and I was designing some of the characters on the show. I'd get notes back. It's like, we need to see the inside of this character's mouth. And it's because it's CG and it was something I'd not run into before. It's like, why? And like, oh, we need to see where this like article of clothing, like what the character looks like underneath the clothes and where this connects. And like, are they wearing socks inside the boots? And when you take this off, what's underneath it? Because everything's in whatever layers with whatever model they are making. And I'm, I probably sound like I don't know what I'm talking about because I don't, I'm not a CG artist. <laughs> No, but it's, it is. And I'm like, all this is in a mouth? Yeah. Is this what's inside the mouth? There's just clothes and all this stuff in the mouth? It could be, because oh. I, I think, like, anything in animation, especially storyboards, but is the assumption that 
the viewer and I guess whoever's working on it is stupid. And it sounds really, really mean, especially like discrediting to my peers and coworkers. But it's true because when you're making something, you have to assume that the next person you hand it to knows absolutely nothing. And you need to provide yeah. all the information. So there could possibly be boots inside that character's mouth deep down in the throat. Like their uvula could be a lamp. We don't know about that. We have to show everything so the next person that gets it understands what's going on. And that happens further down the line where now the viewer understands what's going on. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get it now, but it was a very weird experience. And thank God, I, I don't do that amount of character design. But when I was asked, uh, when Sherm asked me, do you do storyboards? After I sent him 120 drawings like a maniac, I don't even know if he looked at all of them. He probably saw it once and deleted and went, that's a psychopath. Put that person on boards. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> that sounds about right. It's like you can only get someone who's like a little bit not right in the head to be a board artist. Um, right. It's like, it's so much work. <laughs> it's so much work you know it i is. was really happy one day i think jorge gutierrez was like oh yeah boards is the hardest job i've done all the jobs and boards is the hardest so i'm like thank it you is. <laughs> it is. it's fucking hard yeah. and then sometimes they'll just be like hey can you like write all the dialogue too yeah. <laughs> like, like like on top of all the drawings they'll be like hey uh can you write all the dialogue or like can you like build can you put the sounds in and stuff too? Can you make the automatic? Can you I've do done the that. Thing? I've, I've yep. done it all. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But yep. When when he asked me, "Do you do storyboards?" He didn't say, "Can you do storyboards?" He said, "Do." Um, I said yes, which was a lie. I <laughs> had never done a real storyboard ever in my life, and I think if I did, I would have probably also said no at that point in my life. I I think that I would realize that all of this was very very hard, <laughs> but um. I was handed a board. I, w I was hired as a revisionist, uh, freelancing at least. And I spent an excruciating amount of time trying to get that right. Mm. I didn't know what I was doing. I, I vaguely did because I did learn online and I watched storyboards and I did love it as a medium. But I didn't know everything in Storyboard Pro. I didn't know what like the reframe tool was i didn't know how to animate the camera i was not naive enough to think that this is just sequential art and i didn't understand hookup poses i was doing really dumb rookie mistakes of like character just blips in kind of things they're holding something in their hand and then it's gone in one second without the character putting it down or showing where the item came from yeah. very simple rookie mistakes yeah. that look horrible when you look like if i were to look back at what i did then it i wouldn't have hired me but sherm being just such a kind patient man he's just such a great mentor and he took pity on me i'm sure he probably wouldn't say it that way but he took pity on me to say this this person has potential and um work with me and like tell me what a hookup pose was i don't think i would have had the same mercy honestly if i hired a revisionist and i was sent back something without a hookup pose i'd be like terrible <laughs> and then move on to the next person i feel like no mercy that's so interesting that you mentioned that because i feel like we ne need more people like sherman in the sense like yeah. this is a this is something in the industry that's kind of a a problem right now yeah a problem right now it's like, hard it's harder to learn on the job you have to yeah. you're more people are expected to already know everything entirely learn on the job which is something i'm i'm proud of now i don't at the time it wasn't something to be proud of because i had eventually like moved out to los angeles 
I had worked in the studio and I had days where, and I'm not like a big boohoo crier or anything, but I went to the bathroom and locked myself in a stall and I would just cry because I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I, I'm here and I have an apartment and I'm paying rent and I'm commuting to work and I don't know, like I'm going to hand in something. I have no clue what I'm doing. So I would do like unpaid overtime secretly and be working late and trying to get things right i'd take homework all i would do would be draw the characters i just wanted to get it right but there was a lot of long hours that i wouldn't recommend to any young artist especially because i feel like their time is valuable and what i was doing i was not paid for at all because i was just trying so hard to make real I, I just wanted to make not even really good boards but just acceptable boards enough to keep me there it was survival i think it's just it's tough because we have had an episode um with megan perez which was an awesome episode she worked on um south park and we were talking about doing overtime unpaid overtime and Mm -hmm. and we've had comments of people being like ah we don't really like so much how it seems like it's a thing and it's like if when you start it's just hard not yeah. to do it because the level required is so high yeah um i wish i could be like yeah don't but don't do any unpaid overtime but there's that gap like i did unpaid overtime all the time when i mm-hmm. started out just because yeah i just wasn't good enough you know and it's i don't know if there's it, i don't know it, i don't know <laughs> it, it's sort of like the the amount of time that it takes for a new artist to do what an experienced artist does yeah, like exactly. requires more time and you don't want the people that hired you to 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 yeah. think that you're in inex- as inexperienced as yeah. you are so you try to put in the extra time to equal an experienced board artist's work exactly. and that's the hard then, balance man now mm-hmm. we're at the point in our career where like we we can do it no unpaid overtime and you know we can do it in yeah. in, in the time because we're we're good enough we've been doing it for a while now we know it and now we're bored because we've been doing it for so long and it's like we get it but when you're starting out god damn it it's really fucking hard like yeah and i yeah. i wish i don't know i i wish there was a a way to unless you're just that good you know maybe maybe people sometimes are just that good and they just i mean <laughs> I don't think anyone knows everything going into it. Like there's going to be like, I, like I didn't know how to animate the camera. I did not know. Cause why would I know how to animate the camera? But th- that's what I was doing. I was treading water just to be good enough. And I just to hand things in and meet deadlines. I had to do those kind of hours. Now mm-hmm. I could do, and uh, God forbid, no, no one should know this, but <laughs> for the sake of other artists, for an it gets better thing not for someone who should ever expect this kind of deadline from me i could do two minutes of footage in three days i mean i guess depending project but that's nothing to me you can hand me a script i can make you something in a few days uh i won't i'm not going to it's not going to happen in three days but it's definitely doable uh i'll i'll maybe i'll take it for the week and i will space it out and enjoy my life but i if i had to i i could and would that's the thing yeah i agree with what you're saying it's like it's very and it's good that you mentioned that because there's i remember when i started out in my first job and i was just like i was like i don't know if i can i was like i don't know if i can keep doing this i was like yeah 
I was like, I don't know if mm-hmm. I can keep doing this for another year. I was like, I don't know if I can keep doing. I don't <laughs> you even feel like know. you're gonna die, dude. Yeah, you feel like, like it feels crazy. Yeah, I was like, how the hell are people? Yeah, but it gets better, so that's good. Yeah, it's good yeah. to put it out there. It's like it. It fucking sucks at the beginning. It does. Yeah, it really. You you, you also s- stop feeling like you have to make all of your storyboards look like the prettiest possible thing. Yes. You, yeah. you start being able to recognize exactly yeah. like how much information you need to put yes. in to get the joke across. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I know that I, I definitely still have projects where I'm like, all right, I'm gonna flex on this one a little bit, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> but yeah. most of the time, if it's just like a regular scene and I just have to get through it then yeah, uh, uh, you know, you, you just try to do, your job but like you know you're not you try not to take it too personally and by the way if you guys um want to draw your favorite hookup poses i, I drew a few hookup poses on page two. Oh my god um, i was like is, what are these drawings and now i know and i love it, it <laughs> it's just your favorite kissing poses um so i'm oh, just drawing great. that's so funny <laughs> Uh, I really want to draw on here, but it's lagging so badly for oh, me. Oh, no. So I can't participate right now. Every every line I make, it shows up maybe 30 seconds later. And that's every just... line you make, every step you take. I'll just draw a little box for you, Pinky. I'll just draw a box, and Sean and I, we can't draw in it. It's just for you. Okay, wait. It, uh, I'll I'll be your hands. Des- describe uh, Describe the first character's pose for me a little bit. I'll be I'll be your hands here. Oh God. Okay. Um, trying to decide if I want to make you draw SpongeBob because I've been talking about that. Well, well we can stay on topic. Uh, let's have a character. It doesn't have to be SpongeBob. Let's have a character trying to draw on a Cintiq and then just smashing it with rage. <laughs> Wait, this is a hookup pose? <laughs> oh, that's kind of funny. It's like a rage hookup. I, what does that mean? <laughs> That exists, right? That's the thing. People are like, do angry hookups. That's a... sure. <laughs> okay, so I'll draw. I'll draw the the. If you CT. want, wait, if you want an angry hookup, then uh, this is gonna make so many people happy. You can draw uh, SpongeBob and Squidward together. <laughs> Ooh, yes. <laughs> the, what the... if I what if I draw two characters both smashing a Cintiq while they kiss? That's is, that, is that a hookup post? <laughs> is that a hookup post? Yeah, I, 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 uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to figure out, you know, the best way to translate your raw emotion here, your raw <laughs> angst. Yeah, that's that's what it felt like. But I I can't believe where it, it's almost like blinking you miss it because it was one day where I I remember what it was like seeing my coworkers draw SpongeBob in two seconds and it took me like two minutes and. Yes. I'd see the amazing things they'd make and I, I'd want to make stuff like that but I just couldn't and the amount of hours I put in to even produce something close to that and like you said the cleaning the storyboards and trying to make everything perfect that was so hard to let go of because I wanted people to look at my boards the same way I looked at other people's boards that made me want to get in the industry and say whoa those are the best things I've ever seen but I didn't exactly have the skills yeah. to make things as fluid and interesting and exciting as I do now so the best thing I could do was make them look really clean and nice where uh, I was kind of fell towards 
the fandom side of the internet where people take screen caps of boards and say, this is so good. But what they meant is it's a good illustration. They didn't know what a good storyboard was. They're going to show and- my stick figures at Comic-Con and that people are going <laughs> to boo me off stage. <laughs> yeah, but what makes a good storyboard is like, I think my drawings are good because I think I've reached the point where it's a happy medium between this is on model, it looks good, but it also conveys what I want to convey. And I was sacrificing some of that um, early on because I kept making really good poses, really loose stuff stiffer by trying to make it look nicer because I was worried about like what people on the internet would think. And I was worried about this needs to look really good and on model. I want people to see one frame of it and say, this is amazing. And I I agree with that. Oh, mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah. yeah. Keep going. I just think it's just a really good thought because I do feel like I, it's something that I've seen on a couple of shows where people, I've heard people in leadership saying things like, oh, but the internet is going to say this. And it's kind of like, kind of, I mean, not fuck the internet, but kind of fuck the internet. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what I mean? I learned, This is a controversy. There's going to be a news article that comes out that <laughs> V from Creative Block says, fuck the internet. V- V is anti-internet. V wants to go back, wants to be Amish. Our lives would be so much better, but really... <laughs> no, but I look- mean, like, the internet has a right to have opinions. It's good. Talk about anything you want to talk, uh, you know, within reason. But, like, you can't make... You can't make your work just to make the internet happy. That's just yeah. But that's what that was my reality before I worked in TV. And when I think about it, like perspective wise, if you're focusing on making something like so good, so people on the internet enjoy it, uh, even if I had a post go viral, it's not going to hit the same kind of views that an episode of something will, that a good episode will. Like, I guarantee you, maybe not at this hour, but most of the time you could turn on the TV and find something I worked on airing that most times of day. And the viewership that gets, we don't see the immediate impact. There's immediate gratification from stuff that I post on the internet. Uh, I'm immediately getting likes as soon as I say, here's my storyboards on this episode. I'm getting comments, instant gratification. But what I'm not seeing is the long term, which is a lot of my uh, more experienced peers have seen in the industry people like me who grew up with like Sherm's work and then he's hiring me and I'm saying how impactful things that he did was when he was making that he was not hearing that kind of feedback from me he's hearing that like 15 years later and I I have to think of it that way where I there was one time we got sent an email that said this Spongebob premiere or whatever got like two something million views and trying to picture what that's like. And I've had several things go viral on TikTok where I've gotten like 10 million views on some of my videos. But my art stuff, uh, like even with my following, if I get like 5,000 likes, that's a good day. And thinking mm-hmm. about like 2 million people just on the premiere, just the first time it airs, not reruns or anything, just the first time that anyone saw it, that many people saw it. And that is just exponentially different and this isn't like to give anyone who works in television some sort of stage fright or crippling doubt but it's the internet isn't as real as the impact of making a good episode like having a good drawing and maybe able to post something it's useful sometimes I'm, i'll clean certain sections of boards because i'm like this will be good to post when i need to promote it on social media but the I lost that or didn't have it when I first started working in the industry. The grand scheme of things was not appealing to me. It was trying to make something that looked really good that someone else had the wow effect with. And now my perspective's changed where I want to be proud of the episode 
I want to be proud of it overall and say this was a really good episode. I think the gags that I did were really funny. Mm-hmm. Not looking at the storyboard and saying that's the most beautiful board I've ever seen, but looking at it and saying that's that was so funny, that was so smart, that was so clever of me. I really like thought about how to like execute something that was in my head or was a joke that someone else pitched. I'm like, well, how do we make this happen? Because most of what I do is making something happen that shouldn't happen, (laughs) Mm -hmm. making it real. And Mm -hmm. that's the hardest part of my job. Like I tell everyone that drawing isn't fun. Like people act like drawing is fun and relaxing and something that uh, I enjoy the process of. It's not, it's terrible. The end result is great. I love, I love having whatever I visualized come to fruition. I love being able to show someone something but it's the being able to show someone what's in my head. It's not the execution of it. <laughs> That's funny that you mentioned that because I do feel like there's like different types of artists. There's definitely, I feel like, I feel like I could be wrong, but I feel like sometimes when I talk, when I, we had Joan and Vasquez on the show, he said something similar. He was like, I hate drawing, drawing is painful. It's torture on earth. <laughs> and it's like, and it's kind of funny because for me, I actually really, I, I really do enjoy drawing. Uh, it's There's different profiles here, I feel like. You know, like the act of doodling can be really fun. It can be less fun if it's something that you're like, oh, I, I don't believe in it. Or like, I don't think, I don't think this is the thing I should draw. Then that's like, oh, yeah, that's harsh. But um, or hard, yeah, I but mean. if I just wanted to just make beautiful things, I think I'd be an oil painter or something. Yeah. That doesn't make yeah. nearly as much money as what I do. But <laughs> I would just be, like, if for the enjoyment's sake of it, if uh, paying the bills is out the window, I would be doing beautiful, ornate things if I just enjoyed the process of it. But oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What I do is being able to produce something to show to other people. Like, I think of something really funny that's really good in my head even if it's just an expression or a pose, so like this would be hysterical if this character reacted this way. There is no way that I could show someone else that it, unless I'm doing what I'm doing. And the I, I think the drawing is painful part coming from a sequential artist <laughs> makes a lot of sense too. Sure. Because mm-hmm. uh, so my girlfriend's a stand-up comedian and uh, she'll go on stage and tell her jokes and get paid. But for me, I say, I do the same thing. I work in comedy uh, animation. Mm -hmm. I have jokes like this all the time for such a large audience. But I'm very similar to a comedian where I have something funny to share with the world. But instead of going up in front of people and saying it, it takes me one to two weeks to produce the joke, which is so painful because it's like she could just tell a joke and it's a joke. But for me... You have to wait so fucking long. It's like living to in see slow motion. <laughs> it really is like living in slow motion. I think it's, there's something like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something there about, yeah, storyboards are just, yeah, <laughs> they're just hard, I, I, man. <laughs> I, to- I, I totally understand the yeah. sentiment of like, sort of like, like at this point, like drawing isn't the, like maybe when we were younger or something like that drawing oh, yeah, felt definitely. like you know like like oh my god i just learned how to draw an eye correctly and like now i'm gonna do it all the time like that sort of yeah. thing for for sure i i think that like anytime you take something and turn it into a career where like literally you do you know we all all of us we all draw hundreds of pictures a week 
probably. <laughs> and so, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely worn off probably some of its charm. I still feel that um, rush when something that I that was in my head shows up on the page and it's the way that I wanted it. And it's a funny joke for sure. Oh, I can't believe it. Yeah. I, I can't believe anything I make. I it's it sounds really superficial and self-absorbed, but I just when I'm making it, I'm laughing to myself. I know what I'm doing. I know what poses I want to use. When you play it back and you see it, I'm like, I just made a fucking cartoon. That's insane. Like, I still can't believe like I have that mindset where I'm, I'm thinking back to when I was 22 and I was struggling so hard. And like I said, it's like blink and you miss it. I wake up and now I'm just making cartoons and they're good. And I didn't think I'd be there. I, I thought it would always be a fight. It'd always be a struggle. But it, and even at like the beginning of the week, it, looking at a blank panel or like a blank storyboard pro project and thinking, I have to make a cartoon out of this. And at the end of the week, when you play it, I'm like, holy shit, I just made a fucking cartoon. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. When you're doing it, I'm just doing work. It's my job. I do it all the time. It's what I'm used to. And every single week, I think I, I said this to my partner like a couple weeks ago. I never think I'm going to make it. I When I get an assignment, I never think I'm going to make the deadline. I never think it's going to be good because you're looking at blank panels it has to come out yeah. of you nobody else is making anything there's for a you. pressure there for sure yeah yeah you and know, then at the end of the week there's like a, a certain like ego boost of like oh yeah i've done this a hundred times i know what i'm doing here you go here's the the cartoon and it's good and i'm excited to show you but there's like a severe doubt like halfway through the week it's not until you're like a day before you're gonna hand something in that you're like yeah this is good <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that because it's true that like boards is kind of tough because you you have this thing where it's like you really start from scratch and there's like, yeah, you read the outline or, or the script yeah. and, and maybe you have a couple of pictures in your head. Maybe you have a mm -hmm. scene that's playing out in your head. But most of the time, there's some sequences where sometimes you're like, well, here we go. I have no fucking idea yeah. what this is going to look like. And not all times yeah. work from roughs too, but even then you're still like you can't do what's in the roughs because there's a reason why they're roughs you have to do something else or add to it in some way so uh, and that's yeah. sometimes that's even harder because you're looking at someone else's work and you're like i don't know that's pretty damn good how am i supposed to improve upon that a, a unique part of storyboarding as a job is um it's it's this job where you your first pass like you're you're pouring these raw ideas out of yourself and then you show it to people and then they say redraw these like 50 yeah. panels <laughs> you know like you're like yeah. redrawing large swaths of um you know whether it's a whole scene whether it's two whole scenes whatever um uh like you're having to not only redraw those but sometimes start from scratch and come up with a new idea for that whole scene or a new a new joke they're like this joke doesn't work yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. you have to have uh like you you got to be able to be told no if you're gonna yeah. do this it, yeah. you've got to be able to accept that you throw away half of what you do and i'm really accepting of that at this point in my career but there's never not going to be a moment where you have something that you're laughing at and you show someone else and they're like i don't get it and you're like are you kidding me that's your problem and not mine that you don't get it and you don't like it that's your problem everybody else is gonna love it just air it just air it as is <laughs> that's so hard dude I've, i don't know if you guys have been in this situation where like you're like 
you're, you do your board and you come up with the joke and you're like, I'm so smart. This is so fucking funny. No <laughs> one's going to see that coming. And then I'm you so pitch. I'm so clever. You pitch. And then this thing that you thought was like heartfelt and nice, everybody's like laughing their ass off. And you're like, well, I didn't expect that. But wait until you see this one and click. <laughs> dead silence and you're like oh what no <laughs> oh no you know what i mean you're hyping it up in your own mind like they're gonna yeah. love this yeah and then it's just like nobody nobody cares and you're like oh, uh, uh, next panel quick yeah. quick <laughs> yeah a, a weird a, a weird part of this like this this process too is like you lock yourself away for like a week or two yes. doing these boards and yeah. no one half the time no one sees it you don't a lot of the time you don't have someone to bounce ideas off of whatever. And then finally you pitch it or whatever, or you finish your board and yeah, you get this dopamine hit of people seeing it, but ultimately you don't see that final episode half of the time for a year. I think that um, part, part of the reason why I think streaming is interesting is because you get some, some dopamine hits while you're drawing. And it, like, there's a little bit of a, uh, of a um like taking away that tension from yeah. like like man when is this gonna feel good because in real time someone might be like oh my god that pose you're drawing is so sick or you know it's funny yeah. um and that's why it was that's one of the reasons why it was appealing to me because even even when i'm not even when i know that i'm not going to be able to um uh reliably post all the time on like instagram or twitter or something keep up with the algorithm i know i'm working i know i'm going to be working all yeah. the time and if i can be on a project or do some freelance that allows me to stream it like man that's that that uh i don't know i love I, I love it i yeah, agree I recently, um working with my friend who's a youtuber and doing some boards for him because I'm uh, gapping between projects at the moment. And I've been able to just completely from scratch board things that are just entirely my ideas and not have the same kind of studio pushback because he's my friend. And there's still things mm -hmm. that he says no to. I've pitched some jokes. I'm like, this is really funny. And he's like, I don't get it. I'm like, well, that's, then, uh -huh. then I can get that's your problem. That's your... <laughs> your problem that you don't get it because it's funny. And uh -huh. I get other people in his team to gang up on him because they're my friends. But <laughs> with his stuff, uh -huh. an episode comes out like next month. So I'll work on something. And then I got like the ah, first, dude. for the first time in my life, I got to see something I work on come out the next month and be able to post it. And it, it was something that I was freshly proud of. And every, every time something comes out like a year or two later, you're always going to hate it to some degree. I've gotten to the point where my boards look like my boards and I'm pretty happy with all of them, but there's always something that you're like, I wish I could have done that in retrospect mm. even though when you're looking at it you're not looking at it from the week you were working on it with deadlines with whatever what else was going on in your life and i tell people all the time that when you are watching an episode of anything and thinking about who the hell did that and why did they make that decision and what's going on it was a week out of someone's life at least with boards you know there's everybody has different kind of deadlines to make whatever they're making but with boards if you're saying why the hell did you do that it was a week of my life uh there's some things that i have to give myself a little bit forgiveness with like i could have been sick that week there could have been other things going on i could have just not wanted to fucking do it that week i mean every single day you have to wake up and make the damn storyboard and some weeks you really just don't want to or some days you don't want to and you're just phoning it in like you're handing in something like this is good enough 
I survived. And when it airs, mm-hmm. you'll there's some disappointment sometimes. You're like, man, that sucks. And I, I, working in this industry, I have a lot more forgiveness for people who are like, I hated this episode of The Office. It was terrible. I'm like, yeah, but that was like a blip in time yeah. in someone else's life. That like, mm-hmm. think about when, like, I worked in a mall and whatever shitty day I was having. I'm like, if that was aired a year later yeah that was a terrible day now everybody gets to see it and rerun it and watch it forever and but it also makes me happy knowing that some of my favorite episodes of something that I think this is a masterpiece could have been someone's worst week of their life like this could have been their worst work this could have been like their dog died their cousin died this could have been they got broken up with they had to move whatever was going on and like this whoever and they probably still made it pretty good yeah, 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 because yeah, it's, it's still aired. Now, I think that's a really good point because I, uh, I remember, especially when you work in in super cartoony, like tons of jokes a minute kind of cartoons. Yeah, dude, if if something bad happens in your life, it's fucking hard because like, hard. like I don't know, somebody dies in your family, you get yeah. broken up with your partner, your pet yeah. dies or something like, and then you got to go to work and come up with all the jokes. Oh man! That's yeah, so now write this funny scene. Your dog, right? Dies. Yeah, like, like <laughs> you know, oh like God, that's so. I hard. mean, that would be great, actually. But you can't like fo- entirely phone it in because it's not one of those things. Like, it, there's some weeks where what I'm doing is if I've already thumbnailed it out, everything's already approved, and I'm just cleaning it and doing pose to pose. There's a degree of autopilot I can do in the process, but not every week's going to be like that. It depends on what my workload is. It depends on where we are with pitching or redoing something that uh, sometimes you're, you have to be smart and funny and a good artist and uh, be wearing all of these hats in the worst week of your life. And on the good weeks, you're, you're going to get the easy jobs where you're just cleaning up poses that you did last mm-hmm. week or redoing a shot or something. It's, it's never timed right where the worst week of your life, you have the easy work. It's always going to be like, come up with the funniest damn thing we have ever seen in yeah. television. Like yeah. right when you're going through a tragedy. <laughs> yeah. I'm like at my grandpa's hospital bed. I'm like, listen, grandpa, yeah. I know you see the light fading, but can you please, it's thumbnail week. Right <laughs> hey what you think and hey grandpa I, I, what'd you think about this joke so um this guy goes right. like he said joe who joe mama what'd you think and then, and then it's just like, he just flat lines on You're your like, joke that's we gotta keep that in the episode <laughs> no it's grandma. your fault that's your fault uh he died before he heard the joke Oh this my joke god. killed my grandpa. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, we gotta put a caution warning on this episode. Um, sorry, it gets real dark. Sorry, no, y'all. No one's grandpa died. No one's grandpa actually there's, died. There's no one out there whose grandpa's ever died. I don't know what you're worried about. That's the joke that did not make it in the pitch room. It's like, what if the character's pitching a joke and their grandpa's dying? <laughs> <laughs> And I then mean, but, <laughs> it, it'll be your, your luck that the studio executive, like their the grandpa just died. And they're like, I don't find this funny. Honestly, dude, you're making this joke, but this is a real thing that happens. Sometimes yeah. you're like, you're pitching an episode. It's great. But for some reason, I don't know. You have a bunch of cats. You have a swarm of cats. And the exec just got like scratched by a cat this week. And he's really upset because now he doesn't know if he has rabies right. or something. And now your episode is scanned. Sometimes that happens. And then your next page <laughs> is like, people with rabies are with are dorks. And, and you're like, oh, no. 
I've I've pitched stuff before. I actually pitched something like a week ago to my friend for his YouTube channel. Um and I was like, okay, here's here's the thumbnail and I wanted to run it by you because it's probably not the most appropriate thing, but I think it's really funny. And so I showed him these thumbnails and I don't even know if I should say what it is, but I showed it to him and this his reaction was like not even a laugh, not anything funny. He's like, I don't think we should do that because that's probably extremely inappropriate i'm like yeah but it's it's funny right <laughs> it's the worst thing ever is when you get that serious reaction yeah. from something. Yeah. We, we can't joke about that that's not funny you're like oh, but it is it really is <laughs> that's the thing yeah, it, like, it's, it's like that grow up it's like that like oh grow up like when you're like a kid like in, a, in like a stern parent right. is like you know oh when are you gonna grow up yeah, yeah. It, it's tough because i feel like yeah, comedy is like so personal. It's like so much about like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, that's a whole that, eh, that's a whole debate that's going on on the internet. We don't have to like dip into it, but like you know, like where are the boundaries in comedy? How far can you go? What's you know? I don't um... think there's any. You just have to do it well. Like I, I really don't think that there's no limit as long. Well, as the internet you... would disagree. <laughs> I, th I think probably right. <laughs> I don't really care about that. I like I <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No limit as like pe where people draw the line is honestly just where the they're not comfortable, you know. But if you make yeah. something good and someone laughs at it, it, the line is blurred. So as long as it's funny <laughs> and done well, if you execute it well, because people can give examples. It's like, well, you can't make this kind of joke, except this TV show did, and that was fine. But when someone else did, it wasn't. That is like the reason why there's. Um, mm -hmm. a but it's because it, it, it was good <laughs> yeah it, it ages bad sometimes so like i was just talking to some yeah. of my buddies about uh malcolm the middle it's one of my favorite shows so funny and they were like some of the stuff aged bad and i was like oh gosh i don't even remember anything that i thought aged bad you know what i mean <laughs> i was like i just remember it being like so funny and quirky and crazy and now i'm like oh, i'm so scared mm. of like rewatching it like most of it for my friends who watched sure. it recently, they said like 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 eighty percent, eighty five percent of it good, but like there is like that little extra fifteen that's like, oh, and that where was is someone's it? a blip in time in someone else's week where that right, yeah, whoever did it doesn't even remember doing that. You know, it's like not not to excuse anything in the world because you know things change and we all grow and learn, but it. Again, that's <laughs> are you saying are you saying like yeah, like that week the grandpa died, so they put uh, him yeah, in the right you know? never... when grandpa died. <laughs> it's okay. No, I'm not saying that, but it's sure, sure. like it's one of those things that like working in TV gives you a different perspective than being a fan of TV, where there's a lot more forgiveness for mistakes for bad episodes of things. Like there's a it's someone else's job like the same as like if someone messed up your mcdonald's order if you're like this is a really bad episode of my favorite tv show it's like well it's the same thing as like someone forgot the tomatoes on my hamburger it's like that was someone's work one week of their life yeah or, or whatever it's it's weird how like um things have changed over just like the course of uh like what we're allowed to put in cartoons in general like for instance like you'll see something oh, yeah. like like big mouth or like a show on netflix well they can have like penises in there or they can have extra raunchy jokes even Dude, like things that is... never would have gotten past smp for tv i you saw know? Yeah. the pilot of boondocks recently and i was just like 
you see his the granddaddy's little like jiggly jiggle uh, and i was like whoa i was like i was not expecting that. i can't think yeah. of how proud that board artist must have been how, yeah. that would have been the best week of my life <laughs> i was like oh wow okay here we go so yeah, yeah when, through, when shit gets passed like snp or even gets like an okay or a a solidarity i want to try from like a director or someone else on the project like a showrunner whoever whoever says i i really want to try to make it happen we'll see that's that's the best thing ever and we did that a lot on spongebob i feel like spongebob got more of a pass than a lot of children's cartoons just because of seniority uh but also like people in the 90s who are making these jokes fought for spongebob to be the way it is and now we can kind of casually say hey we want to do this and everyone else kind of has to accept well, well it's spongebob they can do something gory but i knew people on the loud house that were kind of frustrated with that it's like we tried to do one like a little bit raunchy thing and they said no but on spongebob you could just turn a character inside out and show their guts but we can't have someone like have a this is not a real thing this is just an example like we can't have someone have a paper cut but you can mm. show patrick's innards you know mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. i think it's because okay here's what i'll say i think it's because loud house is very realistic it's very grounded even though the characters are cartoony and they can do the like or like they can like get smashed into a pancake or like um because i i remember who did i tell I, there was an episode I, I boarded on the Loud House and English is my second language. So sometimes I read scripts and I don't know if it's a, um, an analogy or like a metaphor. And I read Lincoln gets turned into a pretzel. Uh, you know, like it's like, it means just he gets like beat up a bunch. And I just yeah. literally drew him into I the shape of a that. pretzel. Yeah. And people were like, that's so funny. And I was just like, I just did what was in the script. <laughs> but uh, but uh, <laughs> That's the kind of cartoony. That's that's the top, the, the top you cartoony you can do. If in... you didn't do that, someone else would get back to you and be like, "Why doesn't he look like a pretzel?" You know. I feel like I feel like uh, I feel like it's kind of funny though because it's like Loud House is so grounded that you can get away with just with it's just timing stuff. But SpongeBob, because it's so cartoony, it's just kind of like, oh, it's okay, nothing nothing is nothing is real because they're cartoons so there's sometimes that you can get sense, away yeah. with that it's, stuff yeah it's sort of like the sam the samurai jack like they made every all the enemies robots so that you could yes. cut them in half and stuff yeah well, i i'm gonna say the most uneducated thing about standards and practices is that everything's just off of vibes because what you can and can't do i mean this is i guess my same opinion about comedy what you can and can't do is just up to whatever someone feels like the norm should be so with something like loud house explained i was like you can't do that on loud house because it's loud house so it's like well why not what, what if it's a good joke and it makes sense with the story or it's a good visual what if i want to show this no you can't do it because this is the way dude, we perceive it to be you know <laughs> dude i feel like the s p people are some sick fucks like no. I, I think i think s p i think that they're so i think they're so perverted and and like they because they, they see things they see out. things they see they see things everywhere. I I recently worked on a project where uh where uh where over and over again things were getting flagged where like that building looks like a penis or like yep. that explosion uh you have to change it away from yellow because it looks like piss or like uh, like in in a meeting uh in a meeting they were like it looks like that 
person's doing something into that other person's mouth and it was like just like a, a character pouring something like a you know a bag but like it, uh I, I i wanted to ask you have you had any interesting smp notes uh that you had to change where you were like what I, like a lot. um I, i've had a lot on spongebob and camp coral but i had like side note about smp one of my uh, really good friends is Lisa Hannawalt. She made Tuca and Birdie, and she's complained to me her grievances about uh, showing bare butts on television and how oh she God. got back from SP about um, one shot she did that I don't even know if this is like NDA or not, so I'm just going to be vague about it. Uh, there were uh, bare butts from adult characters, and not even like. <sighs> I, I guess like not even that's actually inappropriate but you didn't see the wiener it was just a butt no no just just like you know naked butts and notes back from SNP were like we can't see that many naked butts or we can't see that and a, I a thought butt that counter just... there's a little yeah, person with so. like a clicker is like one two three four five six seven okay there's a five butt limit that's Sorry. funny because butts are usually fine I feel but like butts are usually okay yeah and that's where I'm going is I I told her you it's have arbitrary. no clue how many bare asses I will draw in a week for Patrick Stargags. Like that's just acceptable. I've drawn him butt naked. I've drawn his bare ass in so many shots for a gag for a laugh. He gets pantsed, he bends over, he shows plumber's crack. But the uh, assumption is because he's uh, at least on Camp Coral, but also very strange because on SpongeBob he's an adult, but because it's a kid's show and in the context of Camp Coral he's a kid, that it's all right. But when Lisa was drawing, bare butts of adult characters then it's suddenly sexual and raunchy so the, that's my opinion of like i think snp is just going off of vibes alone and not a specific set in stone rule on anything it's like i just feel like this is i don't like it i just feel that this is wrong this this shouldn't be here kind of thing and not based off of hey here's a rule like there are rules that we've gotten notes back on yeah. things for but i feel like a lot of the job and this is again coming from a complete lack of understanding naive place because i've never worked in standards and practices i don't know anyone specifically in standards and practices i don't know why they do what they do but from my experience from my end of things in pre-production i feel like it's just going off of a feeling of it's what, a vibe i think it's you're, a vibe. i think you're kind of like you're kind of right in a way i do feel like i, I sometimes i don't want to knock um on standard practices too hard because i'm like it's also their job and you're just kind of like yeah. these four people that are just like we gotta watch cartoons and tell them what's wrong and they're just like it's just a job like it, it just pays better than mcdonald's i don't know you know what i mean i don't yeah, think yeah, yeah. i don't think someone just like woke up in sixth grade and Try thought like day. oh i want to work it you know it's <laughs> <laughs> just like so i, I just want to give Same them thing a about little... us they're like this poor person that had to wake up and make a fart joke what a loser and then i hand it to them and they're just like this is terrible thank god i don't have to be the one drawing the fart joke <laughs> yeah Dude, <laughs> I, I i i another thing that I've, I, I've heard is that um a lot of it is negotiable like they, yes. they'll like trade things like okay like yes. like We'll take out this if you let us keep in this, which also makes it all huh. feel even more arbitrary because they'll yeah. they'll be like, okay, so you can have seven butts in the show, but you have to take out, uh, you know, uh, fart from the name on this sign or wh whatever it is. Well, it's also because if they don't give any notes, it feel it it will look like they're not doing their jobs. You know sure, what I sure, mean? Sure. So it's that thing. Like I I've 
heard of like, okay, this is where it gets a little crazy, but I've heard of people intentionally putting, how do they call it? It's basically what's... like a fake scene or a fake gag. Yeah, or like, a fake yeah, gag, yeah. a fake thing that's like so it's outrageous. A de- yes. Thank you. Exactly. Decoy, decoy S&P flag, flag material. So then they can be like, take that out. They can't set themselves on fire. That's too much. And then you're like, mm-hmm. so I have, I have going back to your question. I, I have an amazing experience of standards and practices that changed my life forever. And it wasn't that long ago, it was maybe a year ago. But um, I also don't think this episode has aired, so I'm going to try to be as vague as possible about it while t- telling probably the funniest note I've ever gotten. Um, it was an episode of Camp Coral, and I guess this is all pretty non-spoilery, but there's uh, two characters that are narwhals, Narlene and Nobby, and they are siblings. And in this one scene that I boarded, uh, the sister wakes up the younger brother and he's tiny. He's like probably, she's like normal, like girl sized and he's probably the size of like a tug. And she, or he wakes her up. So I'm just completely, it doesn't matter. I guess it like doesn't violate. Someone wakes somebody up. Happens, (laughs) But (laughs) someone wakes up and uh, like flips over in a hammock or something and there's some commotion and then one character the, the little guy his um his narwhal nose is like stuck like a oh porcupine pin in his sister's butt cheek and uh oh, yeah that went fine it, it everybody thought that that was funny and okay until it got notes back from S&P that it contained something that we all laughed about in the meeting and uh, I'm wrapped on this show so I guess it really doesn't matter if I think this is the funniest thing I've ever heard and I don't think it'll step on any toes or hurt feelings but S&P gave a note back that it was in CBP like what the hell is that non-consensual butt poking and because of, sis- of, the- of sister <laughs> that's well, interesting then- but I, I- yeah, it that's what you're saying. Relation, but hmm. you can poke any character's butt. Like I can have SpongeBob poke Patrick's butt. There could be anything stuck in a character's butt. It can be another character stuck on another character's butt. But one of them was asleep and like woke up and like there was commotion and there was another character stuck on the other character in a funny way. I think the way I drew it was like clear posed where there it doesn't look like there was any character in another character's anus. It just looked like there was a character stuck to another one in a funny place. And from a child mind, you're not thinking that. You're not thinking, like, this is incestuous anal sex or anything horrendous. You're thinking... (laughs) (laughs) There's at least stuck uh, on her butt cheek. There's nothing uh, wrong or inappropriate. We weren't thinking anything wrong. I think this is also a naive opinion from fans of animation. Like, they snuck in this dirty joke. Uh, Sure, we do feel like like that, but... It is interesting. It's very interesting. Uh, I think, for me, I, I think it's an it's interesting that this could get flagged because it shows a shift in culture, which I think can is can be good. I think it can be interesting and good. I uh, it I I, I understand though that it's kind of like it's a weird thing to. <laughs> to get non-consensual it's the best note i've ever received because not the fact that it was 
I got a note back that said that's non-consensual butt poking. But I got a note back that this is an established rule that we have that we can't do non-consensual huh. butt poking. That this was not this was not this scene specific. This was this has happened before. This is a rule of ours at standards and practices. And we can't do that. I thought that was the funniest fucking thing like, ever. Like that rule oh. is on the wall now. And it's it's sort of like <laughs> that rule at the pool where you're like, don't get yes. diary in the pool. You no. know that someone did. <laughs> and then that's why they made that. But to be For fair, though, <laughs> it's I do. I don't want to go on a big tangent or rant or controversy, but I used to love Pepe Le Pew as a kid. I thought he was so friggin funny. And it's true now. When I watch the episodes, I'm like, man, this is some low-key emotional abuse on that camp. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's like all yeah. these Looney yeah. Tunes jokes that you're like, I think, I don't know. There's a lot of Looney Tunes. I grew up with these cartoons, so I still think yeah. they're funny. But just strange things that were normalized that yes. now, yeah. like, we think more about. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I th- I don't know. I think it's good that we we think about it. You know what I mean. <laughs> but I also think it's good to challenge and push the limits a little bit, especially if yeah. the uh, in kids' cartoons there is a certain amount of careful that you have to be. But I don't see anything wrong with challenging and pushing the limits because, uh, at least from a, a children's entertainment perspective, is I don't think that kids. Uh, need anything dumbed down i think that they have a full understanding of comedy the same way adults do Uh, does not mean put all your sex jokes in a children's show sure but the reason why stuff that i grew up with inspired me to be where i am today like spongebob and ren and stimpy the reason why that those were so impactful to me is because the people creating it were treating me as equal they were treating me like Mm. like when i'm thinking of something funny i'm not thinking is this something that a child is going to enjoy? I'm thinking, is this something that I'm going to laugh at or the next person I show this to is at the studio, like my coworker is going to laugh at this. Who's going to think this is a good idea and we want to make this? Because at the end of the day, we're, we are making it for ourselves. I, I think if you weren't making it for yourself, you would just go crazy. I personally could never work in something like preschool where I have to have uh, like curriculum or worry about a child's development in any form. But from what really i really hard yeah yeah i no mm-hmm. i couldn't i really couldn't i think if i was like down on my luck with jobs sure i could storyboard something but it's not definitely not where i would want to be it's uh when i'm making stuff i'm making it ultimately for me mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah that's really cool i i i think ma'am what a conversation we're getting deep into <laughs> things y'all uh i <laughs> I, I want to keep talking about the shit all the time, but um, I don't want to let our patrons hanging because we do have some really good questions from our patrons, from, okay. from YouTube and from Twitter. People, people love you, Pinky, and they want to know more things. So from um, Pity Fries, our patron, one of our patrons. I really like this question. If you had to give your younger self some drawing advice, what would it be? Okay, I have to think on this for a second. You can take your time. You can take your time. It depends on how young you would say uh, I am. Because as a child, absolutely no notes. Just keep drawing. Just keep doing what you're doing. I made all kinds of bullshit and I would make 
comics that I'd half finish and then toss out. I'd make drawings I'd half finish and toss out. And I think that's all a part of the process. I really don't think this is probably like the most like egotistical thing ever, but I really don't think that I needed advice. I think I needed to fail and get to where I am. I don't really have a ton of regrets except maybe don't post some things on the internet uh -huh. when I was super young, but everything else is just, I really have like, it's what, where I am today. It was part of my journey. I think I should have made bad drawings and I should have fucked up. I just maybe shouldn't have done some of it so publicly, but I should have made embarrassing, cringy things. And I should have learned lessons at every corner. So I, I really don't understand a lot of the, like, if you could go back in time, kind of thing because I if I was an amazing artist when I was young I really don't think I would want to do what I'm doing right now I think I would have already if I was perfect when I was 11 why would I be doing this <laughs> you know I feel like okay here's a question we can ask that's kind of like on that um same like vibe I guess um let's say if current you met little 20 year old you and you're like here's how you can save some time check out all check out this advice <laughs> what yeah. would that advice be <laughs> it would be what i talked about earlier not making my boards perfect not worrying mm -hmm. so much okay. about what the internet thinks and i would say focus more on getting your idea out there what you think is funny what's a good idea what you want to see in the episode and not worry so much about is someone gonna look at this and say is spongebob not perfectly on model because that is a portion of it but what makes a board good is being a good board not being a good illustration i i have a ton of career advice i'd give myself but young young self trying to learn how to draw i whatever the hell you want to do just keep doing that that somehow got me where i am i think it was just because i was enjoying it i feel like if it was um a job very young or taken seriously well my mom was an art teacher actually and she tried to give me advice and i refused it my whole childhood and i was super angsty about it because i didn't want my mom to tell me what to do i also didn't want to be an artist because i didn't want her career i didn't want to listen to her i think that mm. kind of got me on my own path too because she didn't make cartoons she didn't draw in this style it mm. i i figured myself out i think at that age you just kind of have to i like that that's really cool um that's cool I, like your uh i like your rebelliousness of like <laughs> no mom i'm on my own path. art is stupid it's yeah. for moms <laughs> art is for moms um from our patron um joe benson as a director and software artist what are you not seeing enough in people's portfolios do you do you ever look at people's portfolios and give advice i do yeah uh I don't see the actual work in people's portfolios. It's one of the, like, I feel the meanest saying, but everybody puts in good drawings and stuff that they like and fan art. And I'm not seeing things that really demonstrate that you can actually do the job that you're saying you can do. I see, and this is from a standpoint of people who are very, very fresh in the industry or trying to break in. People who say I'm a character designer and they have a ton of illustrations, but I'm not seeing like character design for TV. Mm. Like, and I, my advice to people is to look at someone who's a experienced character designer and make something like that in your portfolio. Like, I see full color drawings of characters that people made up on their own, but I'm not seeing 
like line work turnarounds or even just rough sketches of concepts expression sheets yeah yeah stuff, stuff like that, that like yeah. mouth poses the a yeah. and the b and the l and the <laughs> honestly i for with character stuff uh, and i'm not like full-time character designer at all i just do it on the side i haven't even had to do that stuff personally really? I've, I've done a lot of like um, huh. like sketching and the clean lines is a shit ton of what I've had to do where you take something from a storyboard and then draw the pose clean. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but with storyboard stuff, and this is me not following my own advice when I was trying to break in is like, you have to have actual boards in there and it doesn't have to be like 11 minutes long, but it has to be like formatted like a storyboard. And it, I want to see boards and not just a finished animatic of anything. I don't want to see an animation. I want to see, something that's a concept from script and everyone feels like it has to be timed into music into sound into voice acting and maybe but a lot of your job will just be dead silent someone has to look at this even just thumbnails and boards like in portfolios sorry like just showing that you know how to do the job is what's missing and i think that there's a balance where you can show your really clean really nice work but it's at the end of the day, it's a job. It's not just being good. And I think if I was hired off of being a good artist, I wouldn't be here. I think the reason why I was discovered and I made it in the industry is because someone saw potential in me and someone saw that I had potential to do the job and not because this is the best artist I've ever seen online. They have their mm -hmm. pick of them. It's because this is someone who can work fast, work well, and do what I'm asking for the production. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very true. That's good advice. Yeah. Um, from our Instagram follower, Cash Start, how did you develop your drawing skills to get into animation and what exercises and techniques do you recommend? I like that question a lot. I would watch a lot of sequences that I really liked and I would draw exactly what I saw. It's not unique or fun. It's not me making my own things, but it really made me think about why people made the choices that they made, like why this character poses a certain way. One of my biggest inspirations has always been Ren and Stimpy. And I would rewatch scenes that I thought this is a masterpiece, which is circling back to this is just a week or two or whatever out of someone's life. But in my eyes, this is something that I can watch over and over and over again and think this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And I really want to draw like that. And I'm sure everyone has a sequence like that. Everyone has a moment in television or something that impacted them that they're like, this was such a good moment, whether it's good drawings or posing or just the way a character reacted to something, whatever, why it impacts you doesn't matter. It's dissecting it and thinking this person was given a script or given the audio and had nothing else and had to make a decision. What am I going to do in this scene? Like, how is it going to be timed? How's this character reacting? How they're going to hit these notes in this uh, audio or how they're going to hit these notes on the script. And once you dissect that, I feel like you really start to understand what the job really is and not just, this is a really cool drawing. This looks awesome on screen, but someone had to think about like every mouth movement, every pose, why the arms are doing something the, it was all thought out and planned by someone else. And I, once you get to figuring out why, then you actually know how to board. 
Uh, that's from a storyboard standpoint. As far as like drawing characters on model, the only thing you can do is just keep drawing them and like copying what they look like and then trying to draw that in different poses and looking at like, oh, this distance from the eyes and this how many this is how many heads tall the character is. And when I drew it this way, going back and critiquing it and going, oh, I drew it like one and a half head too long. I got to shrink him down and now he's on model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very true. I feel like uh, I like that you talk about like the how a character is like X amount of heads tall or whatever, because I feel like that's what most of drawing character on model actually means. It's just like, is it the right proportions? That's about it. Um, yeah, drawing it loose and then going back and looking at what the character actually looks like and tightening it back up. Like the only way that you can really learn how to do anything is initially by copying where you want to be. And I don't say copying it as in selling that as your own work but just putting in the work to try to figure out why someone else drew it that way why the made certain choices with lines or posing why those choices were made so you know how to do those choices in your own work i love it i think um we have a lot of questions about art advice so i'm just going to bundle them in in a big one because okay. i think you've you've already like answered a bunch but um <laughs> From Twitter, we have from at B underscore Nalgar and from at Lions Notice underscore. Uh, what drawing exercises references would you recommend so I can try and improve my drawing poses with the dynamic and kinetic elasticity seen in your work? I like that they really highlight the cartoony dynamic and fancy words too. And elastic. Yeah, yeah. That wordsmith alert. Right. Uh, if you had, and then the other one is like, if you had one sentence of important art advice to give, what would it be? You've kind of covered a bunch, but let's just have you say one sentence about how do you make your characters feel real stretchy <laughs> and dynamic. I'm going to plug my own stuff real quick. I actually do a workshop on this. I do a pushing poses workshop. I've done it at conventions. I offer it to, I've done it like at Burbank YMCA. I offer it to schools. I will take a drawing and say okay draw whatever you want for 30 minutes i go around and critique everything and then show people how they could push whatever pose that character is doing to be more expressive but aside from that line of action is my sentence just mm -hmm. line of action is important if you draw like a curved c-shaped line and that's where the character is going draw the character over that line everything i do starts with a line of action absolutely everything i do in my boards before there's any kind of character construction going on it all just starts with one line that's my simple answer and then my reference or materials that i have to give people is my biggest uh inspiration ever has been bob camp a co-creator of ren and stimpy and if you just google image search like bob camp drawing tutorial whatever he has made so much content teaching people how to push poses teaching people how to make fun lively character designs I very early on in my career, I read through a lot of his stuff. I followed a lot of that and took a lot of that to heart. There's a ton of books and stuff about how to make things lively and live line of action. I was never a big reader. I was never a big book purchaser. Everything that I have found has been on the internet. And I, my other note is I don't see anything wrong with this personally for me. I don't know how every other artist feels about it. 
I never mind people just sending me a message and sending me a picture of something and they're like, I don't know how to make this more lively and dynamic. And every once in a while, I will redline. I know that's something that some people like their time paid for. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't see anything wrong with asking for advice or help from people you look up to worded correctly and nicely, not expecting anything back from them uh, or even willingness to pay for someone's time. Just nicely saying, hey, I really look up to you how do I do what you do? You know, mm -hmm. I, I feel like everybody is kind of prone to flattery in a way. If you're like, I really want to draw like you, I don't know how I'm stuck. I, I think a lot of people will have mercy on that, but I, I can't speak for everyone. I know some people would be like, you got to pay for my time. And that's completely fair. <laughs> no, but I agree. I think it's really great. The way you phrase it is like, you know, what's the worst that can happen? They leave you on a read or they say no. Yeah. And it's not a bad, you know, as long as you're being courteous and nice and you reach on and you don't just, expect anything. Yeah. don't expect anything. And you know, maybe you get lucky and they'll be like, yeah, here's a, here's some advice. Um, did you draw these S and P's with the yellow tie pinky? I can't draw anything in here because I start <laughs> and then it lags to hell. I can't handle it. I feel so. like it looked like it could have looked like a drawing of yours. Was that you, Sean? I'm trying to channel pinky. That, I got fooled. <laughs> Sean fooled me. I thought that was Pinky. What? That's crazy. I'm a chameleon. Yeah. <laughs> My uh, jam board. Boom. I'm watching everyone else draw, but I can't do it because I, I start and then it lags way too much and I can't draw like a line a minute. <laughs> that's so that's that's funny the, though. That's the funny part about working on animated shows though is one of the skills is studying and trying to replicate how somebody draws and yes. it's one of the few art forms where that's like rewarded like you know when you're growing up and yeah. like people are like oh you're copy you're copying that that you know that's bad but like learning how to do that and learning how to draw the simpsons or whatever those are such useful skills and so like trying to figure out you know and say like okay this is how i think you would draw that like i think that's always kind of a, a fun thing to try to replicate someone's style a, li a little but, bit yeah. in a way i used to think that would that was stifling like oh god i have to draw everything on model i have to draw it the way you draw spongebob it's I, like I, I wanted to be proud of someone looking at something and says wow that looks like spongebob that looks like a tv show i know but at the same time like there's a fear of losing your self-expression but mm -hmm. i know so many people off of just how they draw a certain character or how they sure. Or act that I think if I were to draw Homer Simpson, you would be able to tell that it was one of my boards, and not in a bad way. Not in yeah, a way of no. like, oh, it's off model and weird and wonky, but it's like that's how Pinky draws Homer Simpson, or that the just mannerisms that I would make him do would be kind of you would notice was me. And it's hard because that's something that you can't develop. You can't be like, I always draw characters winking at the end of every scene. You know, you can't oh, have God. like. <laughs> signature it just happens it's weird it's like i don't purposefully do anything but you can look at my work and say that's my work you know i had a pose like that i had a specific pose of like you know like a character clenching their fist and like having uh -huh. the other arm behind them and just like a little bit of a of like a, a leg flexed and a, one of my buddies eventually was like that's such a you pose and i was like i can never use this pose ever again <laughs> my, my <laughs> buddy found out <laughs> my buddy always does sunglasses jokes in his boards like like if it, like he'll always put like a like a little sunglass joke or like like uh -huh. like putting up a some or like I... sunglasses like flying onto somebody or like 
He loves sunglasses jokes. I love sunglasses jokes. Listen, I'm the crowd for your buddy. I like, I am so good. I literally, I remember like one time I was just like, I was trying, I was boarding on a Loud House episode and I was just like, oh, like Lincoln sang a line. It's pretty good, but I just want to make sure it like is funny. And guess what? I added some sunglasses and it got some laughs. It got some laughs on the crowd. I was so it's proud like, of myself. Always make me laugh though. You There's know, some things like, that I'm like, no matter what, this is always funny to me when a character does this. So I, you do kind of get some of your expression, but it sure. just can't be intentional. Like it's one of those things that's like, it's something about yourself. Like your friend who thinks sunglasses <laughs> jokes are really fucking funny. Yeah. And it always makes them laugh when you put it in the storyboards. But like, yep. it's, it's I struggled with as a young artist. I'm like, how are people gonna know when they see the episode that I did this? And the the sad part is they won't. Yeah. <laughs> but um, there's yeah, there's always gonna be something that yeah. does actually make you stand out in a good way, not in a way that this sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah, I do. I do a lot of like people yelling and you being able to see the gums of the teeth. <laughs> I do a lot of um. Oh, a, a joke that I put in a lot of stuff whenever I can is I really like when a character is dressed up at something, but it looks like they're like a little kid that tried to make a costume or, or, or like put on makeup. So, so like, if you're like trying to dress up like an animal, like putting like bad smeared lipstick and or whatever it is, like a shitty costume, a, like a well-drawn character with a shitty costume on is very funny to me. That's and so I don't know why. That's I don't so know good. why it is. I feel like for me, my all-time favorite joke, if I can put it in, I'm so happy, is um, a character crying excessively. And everyone's <laughs> just kind of like, oh, this is awkward. But, the, you know, that may- yeah, 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 yeah. I, I lo- Dude, I could do that all day. Just like big tears, just not big everything. Big goopy globby tears. Yeah, 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 yeah. And everyone's just going like, okay. <laughs> favorite joke. I never get tired of it. About what about you, Pinky? Do you have a do you have a like a type of joke that you you go back to that you like? I like think my would... signature is always breaking a model of a character, but not just to break it. Like for a certain line, just to hit a certain note or a mm. certain expression. I love to just completely contort or break something. That's always funny to me, especially when uh, and there's contrast. There's rules to that. When you have a character that goes they have to be perfectly on model and then break like you just can't just break them then it stops looking like the show but it's really funny when you have something just go entirely off kilter or just reset immediately after that like having like a a cutesy little character and then just this like nasty pose and then going back to normal i feel like that's my (laughs) that's dope yeah yeah, yeah. i I like doing like like the break of just the face but the rest of the character is drawn yeah, I love that. or like a really like serious face or a realistic face or whatever whatever it is uh, yeah. yeah i break faces a lot that's also a joke that i will always toss in some man face is one of my favorite things to draw you see it in a lot of my things where you have like a cute character and it like has like mm-hmm. a realistic face of like a that's wrinkles funny. and like man's nose or something yeah. <laughs> man face this, man i feel face. like this is never not funny i feel like yeah anything that's just like I don't know, with like very serious. I did, I, I did that one joke once in Thundercats, and it was my favorite joke too. It was just like there, because it was like a lot of exposition, and I'm just like, oh, this exposition's so boring. 
And I was like, what can I do? And it was kind of like serious. So all of a sudden, all of them were like extremely serious. And they have like yeah. the cheekbones and like the nose mm-hmm. with all the wrinkles. And they're I like, love that. Yeah, yeah. It's, Hell I, yeah. It's so funny. Um, we have a couple of questions from YouTube. So I do want to highlight, hey, everyone, if you follow us on YouTube, uh, we do the little uh, promo asks there as well um thanks to our new producer marco they're doing so amazing we're so excited to have marco on board and so from our youtube follower g yeah gg um did you feel pressure to create for an audience of kids and consider the impact on kids or do you focus on your own vision you kind of touched on that before but let's just no fuck them kids (laughs) (laughs) It's never about the kids. It is extremely rewarding. It's a different kind of rewarding. Having like friends who have kids watching your stuff or having children tell you how much they love the show. They don't conceptualize what I did or even what my job is most of the time. They just love the show and you working on it is the coolest thing ever. So being a part of something children love is rewarding in a different way. But when I'm making something, it's not necessarily for kids i'm not thinking about that i'm not someone who wants children myself i have some friends who have kids but it's not a ton of my close friend group either my friends who are moms aren't really in my immediate circle because we have different lifestyles so it's just not really on my radar however i think of like going back to when i was watching ren and stimpy as a kid i was watching it because my adult parents loved it and wanted to watch Mm -hmm. it with me and exposed me to it and they were laughing and i was laughing and we enjoyed this stuff together just as much as we enjoyed watching like me and my dad would watch monty python we Mm -hmm. liked watching stuff that was it was just funny it was just good It, it wasn't kids stuff it wasn't family stuff it didn't matter who the audience was intended for it was just good tv and that's what i care about that's what i want to work on i don't really think of myself as a children's entertainer i just want to make good tv now if that's marketed to kids that's someone else's problem you want to sell it to whoever the hell you want i mean demographics are demographics you could say we make this show for women Uh, who gives a shit if men like it but it's whatever you want to sell it to it doesn't matter at the end of the day Mm -hmm. it it just has to be good i just sort of like so it's sort of like worrying about that is more for S and P, not for not for you. Is that is that or sort of the selling yeah. it? Like I'm I'm in the process of pitching right now, and it's just like I just want to make something good. And if you're saying we want to sell more stuff to little girls, we want to hear uh, more, like see more POC characters, we want to hear more from LGBT community or whatever. Sure, we can gear towards whatever these demographics are and try to sell that, but. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what the demographic is. It just has to be good. It do- mm-hmm. Like, I think that's the one unifying thing of everything we do is, and this is why people like to this day enjoy SpongeBob at like whatever horrendous age they are, not our intended audience of six to 11. You know, it's just because it's good. <laughs> so, so you're talking about like the best, funniest ever seen where kids running with scissors the wrong way. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, listen, as long as, as long as it's funny, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if we're teaching these kids to run with scissors face up. It's not, I mean, everything, like, I don't think that, I, I mean, and I'm not in 
preschool stuff even the stuff that I was watching as a kid like going back to like Spongebob and Ren and Stimpy and the stuff that was impactful to me I was thinking wow this is a teachable lesson I was thinking no, for sure. this is funny <laughs> like that's fucking funny I wasn't thinking I need like the Ren and Stimpy episode where they're like don't whiz on the electric fence I'm not like well I'm gonna try it maybe I might uh, that I mean that's probably more of a character flaw than it is someone else's problem that's probably just that I'm a stupid fucking kid <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> It's also it's, probably more important to have these like warning in front of something like Jackass rather than SpongeBob. Sure. You know, you're probably more likely to be like, I'm going to jump off the roof of the building into a pool because I saw it on Jackass rather than. But like, my, SpongeBob. what I do is uh, funny or good entertainment first, and then we go back and then we can analyze and ask questions after. Then we can go, sure. should we be doing this? Why are we doing this? What's the point of it? You know, is this good for family or children to see? Is this selling what we want to sell? But when I'm making it, you can't get caught up in that stuff because I just don't think I'd be making anything good if I was worried about, is this impacting the minds of children? I mean, there's some things that I should entirely avoid doing or I'll have to completely reboard it. Like if I wanted to draw a bloody, murderous, gory scene in a children's cartoon and go, well, I fucking liked it. I don't care about you. I'm definitely going to have to redo it. Like, there is some mm-hmm. logic involved <laughs> in it. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like, it's like, listen, kid, warning, kid, children, do not try to blow up the Krabby Patty the way that Plankton did. <laughs> like, do not plant TNT and the, you know. <laughs> but I think treating kids as equals is also really good for their growth as well and this is coming from someone who knows nothing about child development and I probably my opinion probably doesn't matter but I've heard a lot from other people that uh and I've even seen this on Twitter so it's probably even more reason to throw it out the window that people say they learned their a lot of their vocabulary from like watching Spongebob because on the show nobody really worried about well our kids gonna know this big word it's like this is a funny thing to write in the script and this mm-hmm. is funny for the character to say, like saying like oh, whatever Patrick says. And now I'm going to see disappoint so many SpongeBob fans like my mind is an enigma or whatever. It's hilarious to have the dumbest character on the show say something like that big. But that's children are absorbing those words. You know, it's like it's treating them like adults. Like I said, I grew up on stuff like Monty Python with my dad, which is mm-hmm. not something that would necessarily sell to children, but it grew I don't think it grew my intelligence, probably made it worse, but it grew my humor and it grew me as a person. So, <laughs> Yeah, I always liked that in Calvin and Hobbes when when they would when they sort of talked like adults. Mm-hmm. I thought that was uh, cool. Yeah. Like they, I didn't felt talked down to when I read that. Yeah, that's the, it's not talking down to kids. I, I I'm ultimately making stuff for myself, but I do think that there is some importance in. Like, even when I talk to my friend's kids, I don't do the, like, little, like, wow, what did you do today? That is so cool. I talk to them like I'm talking to you guys, you know? I'm like, oh. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Oh, you're f- hey, well, yeah, shit, farts. <laughs> you know, whatever, like. <laughs> <laughs> it sucked. Fuck kids, dude. You suck, dude. <laughs> That's so funny. I feel like, dude, talking to kids is so hard, though, sometimes. I feel like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Kids are, kids are interesting um we have a another question from youtube youtube let's go from at eric bernardo underscore what kind of projects do you want to do in the future i really want to sell my show i'm 
pitching. And right now is a terrible fucking time to do that. Yes. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty happy with everything else that I'm doing. I, I immediately was fucking hired on SpongeBob at 22. It's really, really hard to top that. That's such a big show. And it's also a really hard show to start off on. Yeah. It, people in the industry have said, beware the Bob. That's something that is spoken of because it's rough like you're doing a lot of work for the same amount of pay everybody else is doing because there's it's just so animated and there's so many gags per second per minute that you wouldn't have on a show like the loud house where you're gonna have something a little bit slower paced and more room for characters to react in the time that Lincoln Loud would react to another character doing something. I'd have like three or four gags in a SpongeBob scene. Mm-hmm. But I'm also working on something new um, that I'm really excited about that I can't talk about. And I'm happy with that as well. And uh, the only other thing besides selling my show that has been a bucket list thing is I really want to storyboard on South Park. That's always been but besides Spongebob, that's a bucket list. And I I love how, I mean, I'm a big fan of the show, but I also love how the production is ran because it's run like SNL, where you yep. have the week to make it and then it's aired, which mm-hmm. we talked about earlier that that could be extremely rewarding. I like the grind of it. It's not something that I think I would do forever and ever and ever because I think that would, that probably kills people <laughs> in some form. But it seems it's so fucking fun and it would be such i'd just be so proud to be able to work on it and it's it's good what going on for like it's we're on like season yeah, 25 now and there's going to be a couple more seasons that they're greenlit for so i think it's still it's still a realistic goal to get there eventually <laughs> i think so yeah um definitely like anybody listening to this episode right now make sure to check out megan praz's episode she worked as an animator on South Park. So there was like some really, That's and obviously there's a documentary six days to air yeah. that you can definitely watch, but it's kind of cool to also hear Megan's uh, little, uh, she adds a couple of like notes and flavor on it, which I think is really interesting. Um, that must be really rough to animate for it. Cause the, the changes that they do last minute, I can't imagine. For animation, uh, yeah. Fun. Animation is so. really crazy. There's what did she say in her episode this is a we do a little recap real fast for y'all just like tuning in for pinky but listening to the megan praz uh <laughs> tldr but there's a thing where she they're like they have to stay on really late because they don't know when the shots are gonna come yeah. in so they're there's they're really like around their death there there's definitely it almost I don't know if anybody's watched like the social network but there's a moment in that movie when everybody's kind of like you know like um getting like all riled up and like coding at like crazy hours of the night and like you know taking shots and doing crazy shit i feel like that's how i imagined so far <laughs> i don't know if that's real so that's fun. how i imagine it <laughs> it's the thrill of it seems fun it's definitely not uh, and i mean thank god you kind of only do that for while it's airing so yeah. you get a breather i couldn't do that for like every single day of the year forever for the rest Impossible. of my life because i have Impossible. courses you impossible can't. like i can't just like i the the balance between me having horses and working in tv 
I, I couldn't do like all hours of the day studio kind of thing. It's just impossible. It's a very high maintenance, difficult animal that does not want to keep itself alive. <laughs> we, we haven't talked about Am horses at all. Yeah, that's this is a sudden surprise. It's um, oh, really? <laughs> our Patreon, Bialinsbea. Um, talk about Jeepers, please. Such a cutie. So, um, my horse Jeepers also works in TV. I, well, living in LA, which I'm currently actually in Colorado because me and my partner were long distance and I don't need to be in LA at the moment. So uh, saving money and some of uh, my back and forth just by being here. I'll, nice. When I need to be there, I will be there. But while I lived in Los Angeles, uh, I did wrangling work with horses on set and he did some animal acting gigs which I still plan to keep up here there's actually productions in New Mexico and I'm in Whoa. southern Colorado pretty damn close to there and a pretty decent tax write-off for a very very expensive animal <laughs> but uh, we would ride we lived on Riverside Drive in Burbank and my apartment was right next to his boarding barn and it's, I mean, it's the best place in the world. I can't speak enough about LA, especially being here. <laughs> but I rode in Griffith Park uh, every fucking day. And I'd ride to the Hollywood sign every week, which is about a 15, 20 mile ride from Burbank. It's pretty intense. I'm a long distance rider. That's that's some decent miles. But oh. uh, not, not like directly to the Hollywood sign, to go to the Hollywood sign and back. Mm -hmm. It's about like... Mm -hmm. 15 ish miles i'd also ride to the griffith observatory people don't know this about la is that griffith park is forty-four thousand acres and on my street alone there were 900 horses there's a lot of horses in los angeles yes. and the community is pretty big and if you are around like where disney animation is that's Riverside Drive. That's where I used to live. And that's the equest Rancho Equestrian neighborhood of Burbank and Glendale. Glendale's like bordering on the same street. And it's there's a lot of history. There's a lot of uh, Hispanic history and culture there. There's history that goes back to like early Disney development. But there's been stables there forever, like very, since very, very early Burbank. And the reason that horses can be uh the, the, i guess so encouraged and catered to for our public facilities because we have tunnels that go underneath like the 134 freeway and we have bridges that go over the la river that you can access griffith park from these uh urban areas where these animation studios are is because griffin j griffith uh griffith park's namesake uh attempted to murder his wife and uh, after the whole public trial where he pleaded public insanity, oh that he had given his acreage, Griffith Park, to Los Angeles, I think to kind of change public opinion, or he willed it to Los Angeles, the city. And one of the rules he had in there is he wanted, this was like right at the time where uh, automobiles were becoming big is that he still wanted horses to be a part of it so there were encouragement for public facilities for horses uh gene autry the famous singing cowboy also funded a lot of things he funded one of the signs and the letters in the hollywood sign but he also funded like the horse bridge that goes over the la river from burbank i um i actually am unfortunately a tiktok influencer that happened on accident uh from filming videos of me writing and talking about things uh, my 
uh, TikToks Ye Hollywood, and uh, my like online presence uh, in the horse world is the Unhinged Trail Guide, where I ride on trails and I film myself vlogging and I talk about it. And the a lot of my content started in Los Angeles, and now it's just kind of wherever the hell I go. And I talk extensively about this because just it was so weird because I've always been a horse person. I grew up on a ranch. And I've, I've been riding independently since I was three years old. And the, that lifestyle wasn't, it was prevalent in LA, but it wasn't known. It was Uh so weird because I found the community and there's so many horse people there and so many people have horses and ride, but I would go out with friends like downtown LA and I said, yeah, I have a horse. And people thought that was the weirdest fucking thing that I ever hear. Like, uh, I have a horse in a cowboy way, not in a snooty, like, I have fancy, like, warm bloods and That's, they're 100,000. That's 000. what I was going to say. It's like, there's got two types of, like, horse people, I guess. Cause yeah. My mom's like, more the, like, you know. Like, I went to cow sorting every week and, like, you know, did rodeo stuff in Los Angeles. And when you tell that to people, they're surprised, like, here? Like, you don't have to leave LA. I'm like, no, in Burbank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, um, if you go, yeah, there's, um, definitely there's like a big, uh, if you go around, um, base camp, this is for the LA yep. people. If you go around base camp, you'll see sometimes the horse poop on the, on the street and you'll be like, ah. Yeah, I rode, I would ride to base camp and I would also walk my horse there and he would sit at the table with me and my friends and I have met animation peers there. Uh, and brought my horse and they've brought their dogs and we've sat and had lunch together and I have pictures that I could definitely send you <laughs> or post those pictures when this comes out of uh, me sitting with people having like uh, not really like work meetings but your typical like uh, we're connecting kind of as animation professionals and just catching up kind of lunch or brunches <laughs> with my horse present <laughs> that's so cute what a good what a good buddy um have you well I guess uh he's with you right now right in Colorado yeah yeah nice do you have a are you the one transporting him when you have to like go around or do you yeah I have a a pickup truck and a horse trailer and I did also keep those in Los Angeles which is a pain in the ass because you have to park the horse trailer and trailer parking lot so it's not like I lived in an apartment had my horse in a boarding facility luckily my apartment did have parking that fit my pickup truck but not everywhere does and then Mm. my horse trailer was somewhere else so in order to go anywhere I'd have to hook up my trailer and then drive back to get my horse go somewhere then drop off my horse then drop off my trailer and then by the the time it's like the whole day is gone and I'm it's nice like as much as I miss LA it is nice having an easier way where my truck and trailer are just outside yeah but yeah I yeah if you I feel like in order to survive with that lifestyle in LA, you, you have to love being in LA because it, it makes everything with horses a little bit harder <laughs> and more expensive too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I believe it. Let's talk about um, creative block, not the podcast, but uh, that very stressful um, art rot moment in life, yeah. I guess. <laughs> Do you uh, experience it? And if you do, what does it feel like for you? Uh, I think everybody does. I think most of... Some got people that were just like, nope, not me. I was like, Really what? interesting. <laughs> um, I, I definitely have a lot of weeks where I just don't even want to fucking draw at all. But 
I feel like a lot of my creative block more comes emotionally or I'd rather be doing something else. And it's it's hard because I feel like I have a more active lifestyle or inclination to be more active and go do things. Like I said before, that I feel like I'm very social and extroverted, but I also have like the whole outdoors hobbies and everything and things that I'd rather be doing. And it's hard to sit down in front of a Cintiq and make myself draw sometimes. I, I think that's the worst part is just while the whole world is turning, everything else is happening around you. I have, I guess, like FOMO problems mm. that everything mm -hmm. is happening in the world, but I have to sit there and draw and it's like long and excruciating and you, you're not going to see the end of it for a while. And my other creative block is just starting. Uh, I love thumbnailing. It's actually one of my favorite part of the processes. Starting the board sucks. <laughs> like mm -hmm. you get excited about it. Um, pitching and making jokes is my favorite thing is when I'm like, oh my God, this is so funny. Look at this. Here's my idea. And you're just back and forth and showing things like, oh, what if we did this? What if we did this? And you're getting feedback instantly. People are like, oh, that's so funny. But what if we did this? And you're like, yeah, I'm so excited. I can't wait to come back to you with the finished product. And then you go, you, at this point, you know, in the Zoom mm -hmm. call, you don't have a walk back to your desk anymore. And then you sit there in silence and you're like, oh, fuck, I got to make it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the worst part. Like, because I can't, then I want to do everything else. And then I have the like, I'm going to go up and make myself a cup of coffee and then I'm going to go out and uh, there's things I have to do with the horses. I got to like muck out some stalls and then I'm going to drag with the ATV. What else am I going to do? And then I'm like, oh, well, now that I did that, I probably should clean a little bit. Oh, I should make myself lunch. And then you do like a hundred other things and you sit down again. And you're like, oh, I got to make the storyboard. And that's, that's my worst thing. I don't know if that's more of like a ADHD. There's other things going on I should do, or if that counts as creative block, but I hate the first panel. The first panel is pain. And once you get through the first panel, I, at some point you're just boarding, but doing the actual first move to make a thing is the worst. <laughs> I, I, I keep imagining you with a Cintiqo on a horse. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done that. I've actually never done that. I that I would think be a like, funny stunt to try to do, like see if you can storyboard oh, can... one scene while you're riding. I feel like that would be fu oh, a funny thing oh. to film. Anyway, I I would love like that would be something I've thought about if I needed like some sort of professional headshot or something that's not taken by me. Oh my that god! It, yeah, it, or a video or anything that was professionally done. Uh, focusing on me I would love to draw on a horse so if if anyone wants to produce that for anything I would love to make that happen because I definitely can do it <laughs> I love it that's so funny well while we might not have Pinky on a horse drawing on her Cintiq yet what we might have is um, the end of the screen <laughs> <laughs> dude I, you trying to segue into the end of an episode is like I, like sometimes i know that you're doing it i know that you're in the middle of doing it but i'm like i'm just i'm always looking at be like okay so how are you gonna do this one i'm the worst i'm the worst and i've praised you in other episodes because you're fucking great and i'm just like uh, here's a formula i've seen words in before but i'm just gonna plug random words in it all um, right, all right, partners. V, Pinky, and I are going to ride off into the sunset because this <laughs> is the end of our creative block episode. Fuck, he's good. God damn it. <laughs> um, April, Pinky Davis, thanks for being our guest and sharing your story. Yeah, thank y'all. I appreciate it. 
And thanks to our listeners. Follow us on Twitter at CRTVBlock, where we ask for drawing prompts and questions to ask our guests. Huge thanks to our editor, Clements, for editing the podcast, and Marco for helping us produce the show. It's our new producer. Uh, nice and shiny and new. Yeah, Marco has been doing amazing, taking after Malik. We are so very lucky to have them. If you love our show, then support us on Patreon. Becoming a patron gets you early access to interviews as well as bonus episodes. And guess what? Our new producer, Marco, is helping us kind of reworking that Patreon. So it's a little bit newer and shinier and more amazing. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, your support helps us uh, pay for things like the Google Drive and the Zoom and our amazing editor and producer. So, you know, um, uh, yeah. Click the link in the description of this episode. I've been your host, V. And I was and still continue to be Sean. Uh, <laughs> keep being creative and we'll see you next week. Bye.